Hello, welcome to episode one. Today we are reading Ellen Tibbetts. What? What's the name of our show? Uh, reading with my daughter. <laughs> We're reading with your daughter? Do you no. have a daughter? No, that's just the name of it. Now, uh, my name is Dustin Faber, and my daughter is named... Lucy Faber. And we decided to start a podcast about the books that she's reading. Well, I didn't. He did. But I just went along with it. <laughs> you just went along with it. But you thought it would be fun, and that's why you're doing it, right? Yeah. Like, if if this had been a terrible idea, would you have told me? Mm, yes. Okay. Would you tell me after this podcast is over with if you think it's terrible and you never want to do it again? Yeah, probably. So these might be the only two episodes we ever do of this show. No, I'm pretty much liking it. <laughs> I wanted to do this podcast because you're finally in third grade and my favorite my very favorite books in the whole world I read when I was between third and sixth grade. Because mm-hmm. third grade is when I finally discovered who Beverly Cleary was. Blah. Why did you say blah to that? I just wanted to see see what it would sound like in the microphone. It made it sound like you don't like Beverly Cleary or her books. No, I said blah because it sounds funny in the microphone. Oh my goodness gracious, this is the weirdest 90 seconds of a podcast I've ever been on so far. Yeah. Well, we are starting off, speaking of Beverly Cleary, we are doing recording two episodes today. We're doing one on Ellen Tibbetts. And one on Otis Spofford. And uh, speak into the microphone. Remember? Speak into the microphone. I did. No, but you turned away. You went like, ah. Oh, I didn't. That's what it looked like. No, I didn't. You know what? The people listening at home, you can write in and tell me who's right or who's wrong, me or Lucy. Lucy's right. You and I had a disagreement because I told you that I liked Ellen Tebbets a lot better than Otis Spofford, but you... Didn't agree with that. No, I like Otis Spofford more. It tells it from his point of view. You said to me the other day, I liked getting in the mind of the villain. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, um... If it was in the baddest... If the baddest movie in the world was told by the bad guy, it'd be okay. Oh, okay. Honestly. What is the worst movie you've ever seen? Huh... Or the most boring movie you've ever seen? I don't know. I think it was Jurassic Park 2. That movie is really bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The first one is good. But the second the one, they are the worst runners ever. The dinosaurs or the people are the worst learners the ever? The people. They run like they They run like a baby learning how to crawl. <laughs> I thought you said they were the worst learners. Like, they didn't learn their lessons on anything. No, no, I said they were the worst runners. Okay. Oh, what in the world did we just drop? One moment, please. My toe. (laughs) Apparently, we dropped a jar of Slap Your Mama seasoning. I don't know why that was in my office, but... Because you put it on your popcorn to give it a little spice, but... Oh, yes. Yes, I did. So, before we talk about Ellen Tebbets, I want to talk to you about things that happened when this book came out, which was 1951. And if you don't like that, well, too bad. (laughs) Okay. Don't antagonize our listeners just yet.
Uh, so I have a list of toys here that came out in 1951. I want you to tell me what you think of some of these. Uh, this first one, it's called an Alice in Wonderland watch for $7.65 at the time. It was Alice from the movie Alice in Wonderland that just came out. It was on a watch. And also there's a toy of a dog named Butch the Pup Toy for 56 cents. Uh, he uh, has mischievous eyes and felt ears and a sturdy six-inch long body made of wood. And he has little wheels, and I think he's a black and white bulldog. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Also, they have costumes for girls back then, because back then, I guess, girls and boys didn't have the same kind of costumes like they do now. But mm, That's weird. Uh, they have an Alice in Wonderland costume. Uh, apparently, Alice in Wonderland was super popular. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, yeah, I've watched it on Mom's phone a couple of times. What did you think of it? It's pretty good. What Did it I better? Uh, I don't like the part where the oysters dies make me sad. I'm oh. sorry if you have not seen that movie. Oh, gosh, you spoiled it for everybody. Yeah, that's why I said I'm sorry. <laughs> so would you have wanted an Alice in Wonderland? If you and I were in 1951 when this book came out and Halloween is coming up, would you want to? Would you want an Alice in Wonderland costume or what kind of costume would you have wanted back in 1951? Uh, I like the cowgirl picture they have up there oh That's yeah a costume there's a cowgirl costume that was pretty popular I back like then pants it's like black and white camo which kind of makes it like a cow <laughs> uh some other toys on here a jeep runabout hopalong cassidy wristwatch um some guy named hopalong cassidy was a uh popular character back then i guess but oh, and then a Pepsi Cola truck. You could be just like Papa. Our Papa loves Pepsi, so you could get a Pepsi truck. I'm not getting that for him, <laughs> and you know it. Do you like your toys better today, or these toys that came out back then? Um, I really like that rough dog, but then that, but then that, um, but then the. Well, what was it? That baby doll, how it kind of is in a crawling mode. To me, that kind of looks kind of weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that baby doll. Her bum's flat. Her, her what? What about her bum? It's flat. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that's the way they made baby dolls back then. Oh, so, and those are the toys. And also, just to let you know that in 1951, our Boston Bruins hockey team, uh, they only won 22 games and they lost 30 games. And if you're not they didn't a, get to the championship. If you're not a Boston fan, then that's great for you. But for us, boo! <laughs> we got beat by the Maple Leafs in 1951, four games to one. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Helen Tibbetts, a 1951 children's novel written by Beverly Cleary. It's her second published book following Henry Huggins, which we have. and um, We'll read. It's just okay to me. Henry Huggins is. I've never read it, so... He's got some other good books, but that first one is just okay. Um, I re- I really liked this book when I was a kid, but what did you think of this book when you read it? Um, 
I really liked it. There were some spots that made me really sad, like the part where she slapped out Stan. That was really scary. Yes. Okay, so we probably should have said, uh, spoiler warning for these books. Uh, if you've never read Ellen Tebbets and you're wanting to know what happened, uh, I would recommend reading the book first and then coming back to this episode. We are sorry we did not say that. <laughs> um, I liked this book a lot when I was a kid. I liked reading books about girls when I was a kid because it felt like I was learning secrets about girls. Because I was a boy. I didn't know what girls thought. Yeah, and a bunch of TV shows, like, they read books about girls to find out information to please. Like, if they have a crush, they do that to please girls and see what they like. Like, homework, reconnaissance, spying Like in TV shows, that's what they do. So, I think when I look back at the books that I liked a lot when I was a kid, a lot of them were taking place from a girl's point of view. I loved Ellen Tebbett's. The book we're reading right now, otherwise known as Sheila the Great, I think that's Judy Bloom's best book. And um, the Ramona books, those were all from Ramona's point of view, and I really liked those ones a lot. So basically what happens with Ellen Tibbetts, the book opens when Ellen is at her dance class at the studio. Uh, The teacher at the studio is uh, the mother of Otis Spofford, who is kind of a bully in this book, isn't he? Yeah, he's like he keeps teasing Ellen with her woolly underwear. Does he know? Does he know about her woolly underwear? No, no, but oh, thank God. No, but she keeps copying her when she tries to pull up her underwear when she's slipping, so oh. she gets embarrassed. I'm really glad that Otis does not know about if, her underwear. If he knew that, he'd yell. What, what would he yell? Uh, he'd yell, oh, she has pink. Wait, no, he wouldn't do that because in a part in the book, he goes, I see Paris, I see France, I see someone's in that. And then Austin yells, stop. Oh, you yeah. You're not bullying Ellen. And She's my friend. He tries it three times, but never kind of underpants. He stops after Austin yells at him, doesn't he? No, he does it again, and then Austin yells again, and then he does again, and Austin yells, and so he stops that time. So he does it three times. Uh, He never says underpants, just I see Paris, I see France. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but in Otis Bofford, he gets picked on for his underwear, too, because... No. Remember... I thought it was his undershirt. Oh, well, they call that underwear in the book. But, yeah, it was his undershirt, not his briefs, but, like... The shirt that I have on, like a little tank top. What are you doing? <laughs> I want to see how it comes out on the microphone. I mean, we can test that out later so people don't have to hear us doing that, but that was weird. <laughs> You're all panning like a dog over there. That's creepy. Uh, so, yeah, so Ellen opens up. She's at the dance class run by the mother of the bully, Otis, um, who's always teasing her. And she's wearing woolen underwear, and I guess in the 1950s, kids were kind of forced to wear woolen underwear when it was cold out. You've never had woolly underwear. Do you want woolly underwear? Heck no. (laughs) What would be the worst thing about woolly underwear? It's so fuzzy that it, it would get in your private spot, and then it'd hurt. 
so fuzzy. Oh, yeah, it would be very itchy, I would think. But this is embarrassing to her, and the new girl from California named Austine, she shows up, and the two girls find out that they're both wearing the wooly underwear, and that's what leads them to be best friends. When Ellen tries to go in the bloom closet, again, to hide from other girls, she finds Austine in there with a woolen underwear. Yeah, and that's so she basically sees her without any pants on. That's yeah, weird. just underwear. Okay, that's weird. Um, yeah, I guess that is kind of weird. Yeah, seeing when you get older, who you hate, seeing you the person you hate's underwear. That's like seeing Brent in his underwear. <laughs> do you? Uh, <laughs> do you, what was it gonna say? No, like, when you get older, like, you will have to, like, possibly change in front of other people at school. Ugh. Like, P.E. class and stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to go I up. didn't want to either, and I did everything I could to keep from doing that. But you get all sweaty in your clothes. You don't want your regular school clothes to get all sweaty. So you have to change into your P.E. clothes. Wait, in front of everyone or in the bathroom? Well, there's a bathroom, but it's a locker room. There's, like, a boy's locker room and a girl's locker room, so... I mean, when I was a kid and I had to change, or like swimming lessons. Well, there's a picture. I had to see other boys naked when I was a kid. It was gross. Yeah. That's one of the weird parts. That's one of the gross parts of your old school. You had, you didn't have soap when you washed your Oh, yes. My middle, my middle school, Seagull Middle School in the mid 90s, uh, Apparently, the school did not have the funding for soap in the bathrooms. And they also didn't have. Daughter's referencing. Um, they also didn't have the money. They had to make you put a bunch of books in your backpack, which probably ripped. My, I, yes, we didn't have lockers either, and we had to carry five textbooks all day. I went through five backpacks, five different backpacks. I told you they ripped. So, yeah, they, (laughs) that was not a good time at school. Uh, so the rest of the book is just antics that Ellen has. Um, it's more fun for you to read them than listen to us repeat what they are, but it's things like Ellen goes horseback riding for the first time. No, she doesn't go for the first time. She's done it before. She, okay, she technically did it before. I'm gonna tell this one. Um, (laughs) she tells us. She stretches the truth. She had ridden a horse like several times, so, um, but but she's always had help, like prancing on the pony. And then when she finally goes horse riding, it was probably really embarrassing. She got stuck in a creek, and a rider had to help her, and a hiker had to help her out. Yeah, with a horse named Pink. And Ellen or Austin finds out that Ellen was full of it. Like she wasn't lying; she was just stretching the truth. Well, she Austin thought she was like an accomplished rider who could like win awards and stuff like that. She was so good at horseback. Yeah, riding. because she had said she had done it bareback, but that's probably just because her grandpa didn't have enough money for a saddle or something like that. Do you ever do that to your friends? Do you ever tell them that you're better at something or make them think that you're better at something than you actually are? Uh, sometimes. Like what? Uh, one time I said uh, one time I said I could walk the dog, but when I did it, it was like on the ground and it had rolled back and then I picked it up. <laughs> Talking to the microphone, I don't think anybody heard that first part of that story, baby. Yeah, 
Oh. What did you do now? Say it again. Uh, I told the, my friends I could walk the dog with the yo-yo, but then I just dropped it on the ground, and it rolled, and then I picked it up and said, see? And then I let it go by the string, and I said, see? I can walk the dog. And now they do they think you're really good at yo-yoing? No. Oh, okay, well. Then... They weren't mad. They didn't stop being friends or something like that. But. You know what, though? That feeling of embarrassment that Ellen has, like, uh, that never really goes away. Because even when you're a grown-up, one of, like, the scariest things in the world is for everybody to find out that you're not as good at something as you think you should be. It is? Yes. Like, when I'm at work, I think I'm really good at my job, but sometimes I need help on some things at work. And it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to ask for help because I want the people I work with to think that I know everything and that I can do everything by myself. So, um, yeah, so that feeling never never truly goes away uh, if you think that when you're a grown-up you won't feel like... Ellen did that day. You're mm. you're sadly mistaken. Um, there's sadly. An, there's another chapter where she has to go bring a giant beet to school for show and tell because um, she saw one growing in the yard in a, like a vacant lot. We're talking about beet flowers, and she remembered that big old beet by the house with the gnomes. Yeah, and so she was pulling it and getting all dirty, and then a lady said. Went out there and said, child, what are you doing? And then Ellen said, I'm picking this beat. Is it yours? And she said, yes, 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 yes. And Ellen, I think, talked in her head and said, "Uh, well, I don't think if it's on the front yard. I don't know. But she didn't think it where it was. It should be someone's. Oh, yeah, because she thought it's on a vacant lot, and nobody owns this vacant lot. But Yeah, and she brought it to school, so it was actually a beet flower, not just a beet. Yeah, but she had to bring the whole beet, and that thing was, like, heavy and gross, and yeah, she, had beet juice everywhere. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, they had to wipe her off, and there was a whip in her dress. Yeah, and Ellen took care of her dresses. Yeah. Like, that's why she never got to clap erasers, because the teacher thought that, she wouldn't want to get her dress dirty. Yeah, she thought she never got her dress dirty when she said, Thank you. I've always wanted to clap erasers. Do you guys ever clap erasers? Uh, do you even have a chalkboard in your classroom? Uh, No. I don't you, know. What kind of board does the teacher ride on? Is it like with markers or? It's like something with the computer that's a board and it hooks up to the computer, but you can also ride on it and then erase oh, okay. it. Okay. But when you start to turn it on, when it's just a little light, you can see all the drawings that have been on it. Oh, it looks really cool. Because when I was a kid, and when this book was written, um, when I was a kid, some classrooms had markers, but most of our classrooms just had chalkboards. I wonder... And the teachers would... I bet it would be cool to clap erases. I wonder how much dust you'd see flying. Well, I guess maybe we should get a chalkboard and write on it every day. We do have a chalkboard. Where do you have a chalkboard? I thought you just said you didn't have a chalkboard. I'm confused now. No, you said at home. Oh, we okay. Sh- we, sh- we have a chalkboard in our house. Yes, we should get a chalkboard at our house. and We, we do to- have one. We, well, we need to get it out is what I'm trying to say and just get stumbling <laughs> over my words. And then you can erase it every week uh, or every day, and then at the end of the week you can see how dirty it is. Yep. 
And during summer vacation, Ellen and Austin decide to dress as twins on their first day back to school. This is coming into the part that you said was kind of intense, and I'm going to ask you about that in a second. The plan is they were going to have identical dresses made for them so they would look like twins. But Austin's mother doesn't know how to sew, so her dress doesn't – her dress looks terrible compared to Ellen's. Ellen's yeah, is super nice looking. And in. Ellen's has a, a pretty ribbon. Mm-hmm. So Ellen – I'm um, not Ellen. Uh, Austin in the story just unties it twice, and then one time it made Ellen mad. And then the third time it made Ellen mad, and she slapped her. She slapped Austin. Yeah, and it said it hurt. She her face filled with red and tears. She was red and filled with tears. Uh, when I first read that book, it was so scary. When I heard that part. It says, uh, let's see. If it finds out, I'm going to say I told you because I know that happened. What do you mean? It happened. She said her face turned, her cheeks turned red and her face filled with tears. <laughs> and she clapped it. And she slapped our scene. It's happened to our scene. And, and later when. Oh, I'm going to, I'll read that part uh, out loud to you. Uh, this time Ellen was really angry with Austin. Without stopping to think, she whirled around with her hand out. She turned so quickly that Austin, who was laughing, didn't have time to dodge. Before Ellen realized what was happening, the palm of her hand struck Austin's face with an angry smack. Austin gasped and put her hand to her cheek. Her face turned red and her eyes filled with tears. Ellen stared, horrified. The classroom began to buzz with whispers. Mrs. Gittler clapped her hands. Boys and girls, I don't like this talking. If I hear any more, we shall all go back to our seats until we can be quiet. They're the same teacher as they did in third grade and fourth grade. Uh, Ellen had slapped her best friend. How could she have done such a terrible thing? She was so shocked she could not speak. When you got done reading this part, because you read this by yourself, I didn't read that part out loud to you, mm. that freaked you out a little bit. Yeah, once, yeah I was almost, a, I was almost, it scared me really bad. Like, uh-huh. I don't think like, you didn't want to read the rest of the book by yourself because... No, I kept wanting you. you to read the rest. I was worried another part would happen like that. Yeah, that, that was pretty intense. And when I went and read this to myself, because part of this podcast is we both read the book. It's not just one of us reading the book. Uh, but when I went back and read that, it was really uh. a very emotional thing and... I thought at the very end of the book, it was kind of, it was very heavy, very emotional to me as well, when the two girls made up. I didn't think that was as emotional. Oh, for me, it it had me like kind of choking up a little bit. Like, it was very intense to read, like still. At the end of the book? When Ellen is apologizing to Hostine, and they're talking about, you know, how their their feelings and everything. Mm. I know to me that part was very intense when I was a kid, but reading as an adult, it it was a little more intense than I remember it being. Are you sure you were in third grade when you read that part? I think I was in fourth grade when I read that book. You sure? Yes. I know my own life, my child. I... (laughs) Um, I think I was fourth or fifth grade, one of those two. Yeah, the blue things, if you look closely, one of them looks like a fish. Yes, that's from me talking. You see the quiet parts right there? That's yeah. when you don't talk into the microphone. Yeah. So you have to talk into the microphone. Can't move your head. Bye, fish. 
<laughs> so you liked um and so between the slap and the uh and the making up there's a part where uh, they're doing a play and Ellen is dressed up like a rat and she gets Wait. Uh and there she's actually a substitute rat. That's right. If anybody misses she's allowed <laughs> to do it. She's a substitute rat, and then she gets called to be in the school play. It's the school play about the Pied Piper. Uh, and if you, I won't spoil that story if you... Well, we're, are, we're spoiling everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I won't spoil it too much, but maybe you've heard the new version, but in the old version, he takes the kids and the rats. Yeah. Oh, and they said, um, they said in this book... That Ellen was not a fan of them changing the story. Yeah, they changed the story to where he brought back the kids so they could have a maypole dance, whatever that is. And I think, uh, I can't take credit for this thought, but the guys at Click It Cast, which is a podcast just about Beverly Cleary books, uh, they said that that is kind of, maybe they thought that was Beverly Cleary inserting her own opinions on changing such things because Beverly Cleary was a children's librarian. So she's probably seen her a handful of pageants and, and plays and stuff like that, that kids have done. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do you agree with, I agree with Ellen. They shouldn't have changed the ending just so they could shoehorn a musical number in there. Yeah. Like you change a story so you can dance by a pole. <laughs> yeah. You get tied to a pole and bring that's, around it. That's what happens. And so Ellen gets caught up and mixed up in it. And Austin helps her. And Ellen is excited. But at the end, she's eavesdropping. Yeah. And what does Austin say? And she says, and one of Austin's uh, new friends says, I bet it was that old Ellen Tibbetts. She has to dance because she has to be a part of everything. And she went, no, it wasn't Ellen. If it was Ellen, I would not have helped her. Oh, yeah, that's such a punch in the gut when she says that. Because it's just like, oh, man. Because I thought when I was reading that, like, oh, Austin, maybe is Austin is going to forgive her or something. Yeah, and the reason she couldn't just get out herself mm-hmm. is because her mask, boys and girls, kept hitting her in a mask slip and she couldn't see. Yeah. She couldn't get her her mask got all messed up. Yeah, because boys so, and girls kept beating her. So all. at the end of the book, Austin and Ellen are united. They're friends again. Yeah. They said they were uh, rivals for like six months or something. Yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, that they were I, I didn't know friends. you could not be friends for that long. Oh, yeah. They're uh, grown-ups who do that stuff. Maybe. And my school... Whenever uh, f- we're not friends, we're like not friends for like two weeks, and then we're like, oh, we're best friends or something like that. I think it was six weeks, not six months. I thought it was I thought it was a uh, month or three. No, it was about six uh, six weeks. Would be about two months. I thought I uh, six weeks and two months. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, what did you think of Ellen Tebbets as a book? Uh, it was a good book, mm-hmm. and. Mm, it was pretty good. There were some parts. Um, most of the book made me feel regular. I f- Mom told me what that feeling was, but I can't remember what it's called. Uh, content, uh, maybe? Uh, no, I don't think it was that. I'll have to ask her some the other day. Yeah. Um. So do you think that you would be friends with Ellen in real life? Uh, I 
Yeah, probably. Probably. I like to do play. She like if she likes acting, I I do too. So I think we'd get along pretty good. I'm glad to hear that. And I think it's good that Austin and Ellen are united because the next episode that will be out in two weeks uh, for you. We're about to record it right now uh, in a few minutes. <laughs> but uh, the next episode will be on Otis Spofford. So this time the to... fish is a clownfish. <laughs> then we get to um, we'll get to talk more about Ellen and Austin. And I'm glad that going into the Otis Spofford book, Ellen and Austin are on the same page and united because it'll be very important for them to be on the same team. Yeah, that'd be... I I can't... I'm good at picturing things in my head, but Ellen and Austin not being friends in the Otis book... That would be weird. Yeah, that'd be weird. And I think that's a good thing that Otis comes after Ellen because in Ellen you see Otis as a pest and then in the second book... You get to see what... Otis' um, point of view and Ellen's the evil dude. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to our first episode of Reading With My Daughter. Hopefully, we'll get to do this for uh, many more episodes. We're going to do it until I'm 36. All right. Well, we're going to be doing this for the next 28 years, everybody. So buckle up. We got some good some good content coming your way, <laughs> uh, which hopefully in 20 years we'll be doing episodes on uh, Northanger Abbey and uh, still Beverly Cleary books. Because no matter how old you are, these books are amazing. And everybody should read Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom books whenever they can. Judy Bloom. All right. Well, hey, I am Dustin Faber, and you are Lucy Faber. And everybody, have a great week. Thank you for thank you for listening to Reading with My Daughter.